All right, well, open your Bibles. We're back to Thessalonians, studying these two epistles. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're picking up where we left off um, before Christmas, and um, I'll read the first five verses of this chapter. This is the word of God. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. The church in Thessalonica, which was not very old, it had just been recently planted when Paul wrote both of these um, letters, so full of new Christians, um, was confused about the Lord's return and about the end times. And Paul wrote these two letters in large part to correct them and help them understand uh, what was to come and uh, the second coming of Christ that they were awaiting. And that's actually why I chose these epistles. I wanted to teach on um, the end times, the second coming. A lot of the things that we're living through now um, cause everyone to think of um, Christ's return. And that's a good thing uh, for these times. So I wanted to teach on it and in such a way that would be integrated to the life of the church um, as well. The Thessalonians were waiting for Christ's return, but waiting for the wrong order of events. And so that's part of why Paul writes is to straighten them out on that. It's easy to make a mistake in that, and prophecy is difficult. It's always been that way. Uh, the events of the future that scripture uh, portrays. So they were waiting for the wrong order of events having to do with Christ's uh, return. Uh, but there's an even deeper reason why they were confused about Christ's return. And that is they're waiting for his return with the wrong attitude, with the wrong attitude. Christians are to await Christ's return, and that's a big part of the Christian life. Christians are to await Christ's return with boldness um, so that the belief in his return, the expectation of his return actually energizes us for the tasks of this present age that our master has left us here to do. And so our um, expectation of Christ's return with boldness, that we know him, we know the one who's uh, returning uh, soon, is to fill us with boldness for the task um, at hand. And the, the Thessalonians lost that. They lost that. And they're waiting for Christ's return with a sense of trepidation, with a sense of um, fear instead that was actually paralyzing them for the task at hand in this present age. And when we get to 2 Thessalonians, we'll see that some of them um, were even so paralyzed by their fear of Christ's return um, that they were not able to do their work, their daily work um, uh, at that uh, time. And so the Thessalonians, were certainly the idea of Christ's return and waiting for his return was very vivid to them, but they had lost their assurance, lost their joy in uh, the idea of the return of Christ. And so in everything that's covered by these two epistles to the Thessalonians, it runs like a golden thread throughout both letters and is like a key. Is that Paul's reminding them, you're truly saved. You're truly saved. You've lost sight of it a little bit, uh, but you are truly uh, saved. And so he writes both of these letters that have a focus on the end times. Um, he writes both of these to restore their 
assurance and their sense of uh, assurance. And that's certainly true in these first three chapters of Thessalonians. One of the things that Paul does when he reminds the Thessalonians of their history uh, that he's had with them, which hasn't been a long uh, history, is he reminds the Thessalonians in these three chapters that he and his fellow workers, Silas and Timothy, truly love the Thessalonians. And he does that in a bunch of ways. Chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul says, Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you'd become very dear to us. Paul says, we love you. We love you. We gave you not only the gospel, but ourselves. And we uh, truly uh, love you. Uh, he says at the end of chapter two, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? It is, is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming for you or our glory and our joy? And so Paul assures the Thessalonians of his love for them. He insists on it. He insists on it that, uh, he and his fellow, uh, workers truly love the, um, uh, Thessalonians. The way that's often understood uh, by Bible teachers is that there was some sort of accusation in the church or suspicion that had grown in the church that Paul and his fellow workers were somehow fickle and fake and didn't really love the Thessalonians. That's why they left town so uh, ab- abruptly. And so Paul's writing in defense of himself to counter that, to say, no, we're not fake. We're not fickle. We, we truly love you. And uh, we're sincere. We're not uh, charlatans, but are sincere in our love for you. And so he's writing those things to defend himself against certain accusations that may have taken root a little bit in uh, the church. I don't think that's the reason why Paul writes that. In in fact, I think the, the reason Paul is so effusive about his love for the Thessalonians here in these chapters is almost the opposite of that. And that is that they all still held Paul and uh, his fellow gospel workers in very high regard, but had lost their assurance of the Lord's love uh, for them. And so Paul uses himself, I think, as an index of the Father's love for them, saying, you're dear to us. We're the gospel workers of Christ. We love you. We love you with all of our hearts. You know that we love you. That's how God is towards you, too. His, his love for you hasn't failed. And so when you think of Christ's return, Think of the way we love you and then, and then direct your attention up to, uh, the Lord because his love for you never, uh, changes and you need to, um, be assured of that. You need to know it. You've, uh, forgotten it. And so, uh, Paul's going to talk to them about the right order of events for the Lord's return. We'll get into that too. I'm looking forward to getting into that. Um, uh, what, what exactly they should be expecting because they had grown, uh, confused about that. But before he gets out any charts or timelines or anything like that and uh, gets into uh, the events of uh, prophecy, he wants to restore in them the right attitude of waiting for Christ's return. And it's an, it's an attitude of holy boldness, assured of the love of the one who's coming to uh, return. And so with this in mind, Paul reviews his recent actions that he's taken in relationship to this church and to the believers uh, that are there in our verses. So let me give you an outline, a two-part outline for the verses that we're going to cover. Uh, first, uh, Paul talks about when he sent Timothy to the Thessalonians. That's verses 1 and 2. And then he talks about why he sent Timothy to the Thessalonians. That's verses 3 to 5. So when Paul sent Timothy to the Thessalonians, 1 and 2, 
describing some of the circumstances and why he sent Timothy to Thessalonians, verse 3 to 5. So look at uh, verse 1 and 2. Just uh, speaks of the circumstances that he sent Timothy to them. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. Paul says, therefore, we sent Timothy to you. The therefore connects back to the end of chapter 2 in which he's speaking of his love uh, for them. So Paul left Thessalonians. Remember, the, a mob came and uh, stirred up the people against the Christians. They were there in Thessalonica, and um, Paul determined that it was a wiser part for him to leave, uh, perhaps a little more suddenly than he had planned uh, to leave um, uh, the city. But because of his great love for um, the Thessalonians, he couldn't endure abandoning them in that way. He says, we, we can endure it no longer. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't stand it. We thought it uh, best to be left behind at uh, Athens. So uh, Paul went to Thessalonica, and then uh, he he uh, left Thessalonica. The next city was Berea, where he ministered until the same group of Thessalonians came to Berea and, and uh, pushed him uh, out of there um, uh, as well. And the next stop for Paul was uh, Athens. But somewhere along the way, and I'm not quite sure where along uh, the way, Paul determined to send Timothy back to uh, the Thessalonians to uh, minister to them, even though he knew this would mean him being at Athens alone. I think Silas maybe was sent somewhere else as well. So he says, therefore, when we could endure it longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. We thought it best for Paul to be left behind, and that's what uh, they decided. And so that's actually a familiar scripture in Acts uh, where Paul's alone in Athens. He's not planning on doing any ministry because he ministers with fellow workers always, but the idols that are there provoke his spirit. And so he ends up giving them a sermon that he hadn't planned on in, um, in uh, Athens. And uh, so that's recorded in, um, in Acts. But uh, they sent Timothy back uh, to uh, Thessalonica. And um, Timothy, sometimes he's known in scripture for the idea of being timid. And perhaps that was part of his personality, but he wasn't a wimp. He was sent on an important mission alone and actually a little bit of a dangerous mission alone going back to the city where there had been um, unrest. So um, uh, Timothy uh, went back and uh, this was when Timothy was actually new on the team with uh, Silas and uh, Paul. Uh, this is on the second missionary journey, and after Timothy joined them, their first stop was Philippi, then uh, Thessalonica, and then uh, Berea. Timothy's going to skip Athens. Paul's going to go there, and then they're all going to join up in Corinth, which is where this letter was uh, written from. So Timothy's new, and uh, this is just recent history that Paul is uh, speaking about um, here, and uh, he talks about that he sent Timothy to them. He says, we sent Timothy, even though knowing that would leave Paul in Athens alone. Uh, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. And so he mentions Timothy, and it's immediately followed by this kind of long description of Timothy. It's a, it's a great description of tr- Timothy. We sent Timothy, he's our brother, and he's God's fellow worker in the gospel of, uh, of Christ. 
why is there such a full description of Timothy here? And uh, some have thought, kind of along that thought that Paul's trying to prove how much he loves um, the uh, Thessalonians, if that's in question there. Some have thought that Paul uh, talks about how important Timothy was to them to prove that he really did love them. He was willing to forego this very valuable co-worker and send uh, Timothy back to them, even though he's uh, so valuable as to be our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of uh, Christ. I don't think Paul's love for them was really in doubt. Uh, I think he describes Timothy in this way because he liked Timothy. He delighted in calling him what he was, what he had just become, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. Uh, he does it to point out the high position of uh, Timothy, a fellow worker with God. Wow. To be a fellow worker with God. But that's what uh, Timothy uh, was and uh, the sphere in which he was, God's fellow worker. It's in the gospel of Christ. That's the way in which he works with God. The only way, actually, that he works with God when he's with you is through the gospel, the good news of Christ. And so uh, when he's there, he's going to be um, strengthening and encouraging you as to your faith with the good news of Christ. That's what encourages you in your faith. In fact, uh, Peter uh, talks about that. That's the way you grow. You grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we learn more and more about his grace as we learn about his holiness uh, as well. And that's the way in which uh, we uh, we grow. But I think he uh, includes this actually because Paul and Timothy's love for them wasn't in doubt. And he wants to use uh, the, the these gospel workers in, as an indicator of God's attitude towards them too. And I think that's why he points out uh, that Timothy is our brother. He's God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. You know, Timothy loves you. Well, he's working with God. God loves you too. His love for you hasn't changed. Uh, and Timothy is coming uh, to remind you of that with uh, the gospel of God. And he's, he's there as God's fellow worker through the gospel to uh, strengthen your faith. So he says, here's what happened. We sent Timothy, we sent him there as a gospel worker. We sent him there as God's fellow worker uh, to minister the gospel uh, to you, to remind you of the things that uh, you believed when you first uh, believed in the gospel and to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. So that was when Paul sent Timothy to the Thessalonians. It was not long before he wrote this letter because Timothy had just returned uh, from that. In verse 3 to 5, Paul talks about why he sent Timothy to uh, the Thessalonians. And he actually gives two reasons why. He sent Timothy to tell them something and to find out something. So he sent Timothy to tell them something, and that's in verse 3 and 4. And then he sent Timothy to, back to them to find out something as well, and that's in verse uh, 5. So he sent Timothy to tell them something. He sent them to, him to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith in this way, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as uh, you know. Uh, there had already been trials, severe trials, in the church in Thessalonica before Paul left. In fact, that's why Paul left, is because there was a sudden outburst of a violent uh, mob in uh, the city, and so uh, the the believers there trusted in Christ and then immediately encountered trials, difficulties, persecution, 
tribulation. Uh, and that continued after Paul left, as he uh, t- alludes to in chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from uh, the Jews. And so uh, the um, Thessalonians trusted in Christ, and then the trials began, the difficulties began. The troubles began. The persecutions uh, began. And they're sending Timothy back to strengthen and encourage your faith in this way that no one would be disturbed by the by these afflictions. Uh, by these by these afflictions. He says, uh, so that no one would be, and the word is, this is a, a pretty descriptive word, a little bit of an unusual word uh, here, so that no one would be shaken by these uh, afflictions. I think Dylan chose a psalm that corresponded with that about uh, the psalmist feeling like he's tottering like a fence until he's put his foot on the rock of uh, Christ. But this is what trials do. They cause you to be shaken. This is what happened to the uh, Thessalonians' uh, faith and their expectation about uh, Christ's return as it started to grow shaky because of uh, these trials that caused them to be shaken. And so Timothy was sent to them to strengthen and then to encourage them as to their faith and to remind them not to be shaken by trials and by uh, difficulties. And um, I, I think Timothy was partly successful. Paul's letter here also was to help them not be shaken uh, by these things. And, and he's going to have to write them again. That's kind of how our problems are in the Christian life. You get told, you kind of know that's the right answer, and then you need to get told the same thing again. Uh, and that's what uh, First and Second Thessalonians is, because this problem of being shaken is perhaps even more pronounced in the second letter that he writes, which is not long after uh, the first, where um, he says, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 and 2, Now we request, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. They've gotten kind of all mixed up about uh, the day of the Lord, which is coming. Why? Because they're shaken. They're, uh, they're, they're shaken and um, tottering. Trials affect people in complex ways. Trials affect people in complex ways. Uh, they can cause you to try to compromise or give up part of your faith to escape uh, persecution. But the most profound way that trials affect us Christians is that trials can create a distance from God and trials can call into question whether God loves you. That's really what it means to be shaken to the core. And so uh, Timothy was sent to tell them something, to tell them not to be shaken by these uh, uh, afflictions and uh, to remind them that uh, the the presence of affliction doesn't mean that God's attitude towards them has changed. Your father's face is turned away. That's why you're experiencing these trials, difficulties, uh, pains. But uh, that actually his his plan is right on track uh, uh, for them. There's not something wrong. There's not something off track. But instead that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. This, this is what the Christian life looks like is uh, trials and difficulties, and they know it because Paul had told them repeatedly when he was uh, there. He prepared them for this before he left. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. 
Paul was uh, appointed in part for suffering. He was told even when he was um, converted, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. And uh, that's not just true for Paul, although he uh, had a unique path ahead of him, but it's true for all. Uh, But we kept telling you in advance that we are going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass. It hadn't been Christians long and it had already come to pass, as you know. Paul's uh, practice was to warn Christians, to tell them, uh, that the Christian life would involve trials. Acts chapter 14. This is not on Paul's second missionary journey, but it's on his first um, missionary journey where um, he planted the churches, went through the first time, um, gave the gospel for the first time, established these churches, and then he went through them again on his way back, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So he didn't make a secret uh, out of that, but he told them, and um, I'm sure he did the same thing with uh, the Thessalonians. His practice um, had not uh, 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 changed. So when trials come, and you're trusting in the Lord, you're, you're a believer. When trials come, it's not uh, a sign that your father's abandoned you. It's a sign that your father is disturbing your faith with various trials, not that it might break but that it might stand, even if it only stands by a, a, th- a narrow thread. And then for it's him showing you that your faith is real when it stands in uh, after, after trials uh, come. And so uh, Timothy was sent to uh, say something to uh, the Thessalonians. He was sent uh, to tell them to encourage their faith in the gospel and to encourage them that true faith is tested by trials. True faith is tested by uh, trials. The author of Hebrews says God treats us as sons by disciplining us, by sending us things that show our faith uh, to be real. And if he doesn't do that, it's a sign that we're not sons. It's a sign that he's not uh, our our um, our father. And so Timothy was sent to uh, remind the Thessalonians, who in, in many ways were a model church, but some shakiness had begun to set in. Uh, to remind them uh, not to be disturbed by these uh, afflictions. Well, when Paul sent Timothy to the Thess- Thessalonians, he sent them for two reasons. He sent uh, Timothy to the Thessalonians to tell them about trials, to remind them. They already knew it, but to remind them about the place of trials in the Christian life, to remind them not to be shaken by trials. And we need the same reminder. We need the same reminder. The trials of the past Years, past couple of years have been uh, difficult. It's not a sign that God has changed towards you. It's not a sign that he's changed towards Trinity Bible Church. It's the Lord strengthening uh, our faith and uh, causing our faith actually to uh, grow. Well, Paul sent Timothy to um, tell the Thessalonians about uh, afflictions, to remind them of it, and also to find something out about the church there. Verse five, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Uh, when Paul uh, uh, writes verse five, he almost repeats verse one because he, he goes back to that moment when he's deciding to send Timothy, he can endure, endure it no longer out of his love for um, the, the uh, Thessalonians. Um, 
And so he gives an additional reason. I sent Timothy to strengthen your faith, and especially to remind you of the place of trials in your faith, but also for another reason. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent Timothy to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and that our labor might have been in vain. So he gives an additional reason also uh, for sending Timothy to uh, the, back to the church in Thessalonica, and that is Paul had a haunting fear, a haunting fear that struck him. Maybe our maybe our, our labor that we've done, we've spent maybe six months there in Thessalonica, we've labored hard uh, over the church there, we've wept over them, we've given ourselves to them, maybe it's all in vain. And uh, it was a reasonable thought that Paul uh, had because there's a very real and very terrible opponent to the gospel, and that is Satan himself. And uh, in the same trials that God sends to test our faith, to strengthen our faith, to make it stand through uh, many trials, to send it through a furnace so that it will come forth like gold uh, with the dross uh, burned uh, away, Satan has a very different intention in the very same uh, trial, and that is to quench out the faith. And so uh, Paul had this very uh, real person of Satan in mind as he had this haunting thought about uh, the Thessalonians. When I can endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, whether it still stood or not, for fear that the tempter may have tempted you and our labor might be uh, in vain. Now, I've noticed something about this letter, and I, I want to put a little bit of an emphasis because the rest of what I have to say will um, kind of relate uh, to this, but I've, I've noticed something about uh, the timing uh, of this, where Paul sent Timothy to um, back to the church in part to find out if their, if their faith still stood or if Satan had, had taken it away and all their labor had been uh, lost. When Timothy returns to Paul, it's in Corinth. Paul, Paul's, he, he had been in Athens, but now he's in Corinth. When Timothy returns to Corinth, he brings back a good report about their faith. Yeah, it's shaky. Yeah, there's uh, some things you should tell them. You should send back a letter uh, to them, but their faith stands. Their faith stands. Your work hasn't been in vain. And at Thessalonica, the tempter hasn't uh, tempted them in such a way that's extinguished their faith. They're still a church. Uh, there, they're still uh, standing, and uh, Paul rejoiced, and, and and that's getting into the next few verses that we'll look at next time. Verse six: Tim, Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, in our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through our faith, and so he rejoices in that. Well, when Timothy came back to Paul, bearing this good report about uh, the Thessalonians. Paul immediately wrote this letter to them, expressing relief and expressing joy and uh, encouraging them uh, that they've, uh, at least in part, passed the test in a way that makes Paul happy uh, and relieves uh, some of his fears. And what does he write them in this letter when he sits down to write it? Well, one of the first things he writes to them is this. It's in chapter 1 and verse 2. He writes about his prayers. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work, which comes from faith, and your labor, which comes from love, and your steadfastness, of, which comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, while we're praying, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And so 
Paul says, uh, and here's my point, is that he says, uh, now he doesn't write to them and say, now that Timothy has come to us, now we've started to pray and give thanks for your real salvation, for your real election, knowing that you are uh, saved. No, he, he writes to them and he says, you know, we've already been praying for you. We've already been thanking God, knowing that you're saved for your true uh, salvation. And so Paul um, already knew about uh, their salvation, even as this fear crossed his mind, even as he sent Timothy to find out uh, about their faith. He had already been thanking God for their true faith. He already knew uh, that they uh, were um, truly saved. Why did God test Abraham's faith? Why did God come and tell Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and take him to a, a mountain that I'm going to show you. I want you to sacrifice him there. And he did it. To te- not to kill Abraham's son, but to test Abraham's faith. Did he do it to find out something he didn't already know? No, he did it to disturb Abraham's faith and then to measure it and to test it in order to strengthen it and to show Abraham even that it was there. And so I, I, for that reason, I think, I think Paul's doing somewhat of the same thing. He knows their faith is going to stand, but he sends Timothy to check on it anyway and uh, to rejoice with them uh, 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 anyway. As well, and so I think one commentator perhaps is on on I think the right track uh, to say that when he says he sent uh, Timothy to find out about your faith, just in mentioning their faith, he says Paul implies that the faith was certainly there, and he only sent Timothy to make assurance doubly sure. I think that's a good way of putting it. I think that's probably on the right track uh, for what Paul uh, was doing. Paul knew before he left uh, Thessalonica the first time that their faith was real. That's why he had been thanking God for it already for uh, a long time. And he knew it because he knew they believed the gospel. He knew it because of what he says in chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who uh, believe. And so he knew they believed the real gospel because of the way they received the word of God and took it to be not the word of men, but uh, the word that came to them uh, from God about his love for them, about his holiness, about the sacrifice that he made uh, in their place. So he knew they believed the gospel or said in a different way, he knew Christ wouldn't fail them. And yet he checked on them anyway. Um, perhaps it's like you do when you uh, set, set your alarm for the morning. You know that you set it. You want to double, you'll feel better if you double check it. You probably shouldn't triple and quadruple check it. Uh, but, uh, or, or you, uh, lock a door. You know it's locked, but you want to try it just before you leave. Uh, you'll feel better if you know, uh, that you do. And so I think Paul sent, uh, Timothy. This thought certainly crossed his mind. It's a, and it's a, it's a important thought to cross our mind that, uh, we have an enemy, Satan, who can quench out, is seeking to quench out, uh, our faith. And so he sent Timothy. He wanted to know. And uh, when Timothy returned, uh, he rejoiced that, yes, the faith still stands. I knew it. That's what I've been thanking God for. Anyway, all of this time, and he rejoiced in it as well. And that's what our Father does with us as well, uh, with our faith. He, he knows about our faith, and yet he tests it and uh, uh, shows us uh, that our faith is real. Sometimes um, signs of genuine faith are pursued in such a way that they can almost take the place of faith itself and stand between us 
and God, something they were never meant uh, to do. What's meant to stand between you and a gracious God towards you is faith alone. And the signs of faith are meant to make your faith even uh, uh, stronger. And so you uh, should say, not, uh, I know that I'm saved because of my growth. Or, I know that I'm saved because I see fruit of it. You should say rather, no, I know that I'm saved because of Christ. Period. Full stop. I know that I'm saved because of Christ and my growth that I see, my fruit that I see, makes me know even more. Makes me even bolder to know that Christ is saving uh, me. And if I see none of those things, if I see no fruit uh, at all, in my life and no growth, then that's a sign that I haven't trusted in Christ. I actually need to trust in him. I actually need to, to, um, believe, uh, what he says, um, and to cast all of my trust, uh, upon him because that's a faith that will perform its work in, uh, me who, uh, who, who believes. When you stand on the fruit of faith, it will collapse or it will never be, uh, enough or it will become, uh, a legalism. The fruit of faith is not meant to overshadow and to replace the faith that actually produces those things. It's rather meant to encourage uh, the faith itself. So in the same way, Paul knew, and he thanked God for the faith of uh, the Thessalonians, their faith in uh, the gospel, and he sought to confirm it. He sought to confirm it by seeing signs, sending Timothy back uh, to look uh, for signs uh, of faith uh, in them to confirm and to cause them to believe even more and for that to be, uh, what their, their, um, assurance is based on is simply faith in what Christ is doing for them. Paul says about himself in another place, I know whom I have believed and that he is able, uh, to, um, to, let me read it since I'm having trouble paraphrasing it at this, uh, time. Second Timothy. Chapter 1. He says, I know whom I believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And that's what his faith rested on. It rested on the one Christ uh, that he knew to, uh, to um, guard what is entrusted to him until that day. That's the day of Christ. That's the day of uh, the future. And so, uh, in the same way, the um, Thessalonians' faith rested on Christ and on uh, the gospel. So, the Thessalonians were awaiting Christ's return. They had turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to uh, wait for him uh, from heaven, to wait for his son who rescues us from the wrath to come. They're awaiting Christ's uh, return. And that's what we're doing, too. We're waiting for Christ's return. We're waiting for Christ's return with the exact right order of events in our mind. Maybe, maybe some of us, maybe most of us, maybe all of us with the right uh, order of events uh, in our mind about exactly uh, how it will unfold uh, when Christ returns. Yes, we hope so. But even perhaps more important with the right attitude, with the right attitude and the right attitude is boldness. Boldness as you wait for uh, Christ's return with bold uh, faith in Christ's favor towards you in that the, the God of all holiness is your father because of Christ and because of the gift of Christ uh, to you. The attitude with which we're to wait for Christ 
is boldness that equips us with strength for the tasks of the present that our master has left us to do. And our boldness comes from trust in his word alone. Trust in his word uh, alone in uh, what it tells us that his word to us is not the word of men, but it's the word of God. It tells us of a savior given to us as a gift in Christ, only as a gift in uh, Christ, who is the very opposite of what we deserve and causes the God of all justice, of a righteousness that we can hardly understand to be our loving father with a love that we can hardly uh, understand. And so it's the word of God, believing his word that you are Christ and that he uh, is yours that uh, causes you to be bold towards him. And then if trials come, in fact, when trials come, those trials and as your faith stands uh, in those trials should push you, should uh, challenge you to believe even more that you are Christ and that he is yours and to rejoice that those have made you even more sure and to draw you closer to your holy and loving father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for your word, which tells us that Christ is ours not by any deserving, but simply by faith, simply by taking you at your word and trusting all in Christ. We thank you that your word performs its work in us who believe. And though trials come, uh, they're sent to us by our Father, not to destroy our faith, but to make it to be uh, even stronger. And so, Father, uh, we pray that you might encourage us to trust you more. We pray that you might encourage us to rest on Christ uh, alone. We pray that the trials that uh, come and the difficulties that come might not cause us to become shaky uh, in our faith, but uh, might cause us to trust you even more and to know even more that your word is true and that Christ, uh, your son, is, is for us. We pray that you'd hasten the day of his return. We pray that you'd give us uh, an attitude, even in anticipation of this, that would make uh, the, the hope of Christ's return a blessing for us, a blessed hope and a spur to uh, serve you with gladness, serve you with joy, and serve you in the strength uh, of the Holy Spirit. We pray in, in Jesus' name. Amen.